Welcome back to another episode of Seeing Life from a Different Angle. You know, I was listening to a podcast today, um, and the podcast was talking about C.S. Lewis's book, The Abolition of Man. And it was Dr. Michael Ward, who's also a Catholic priest. And one of the things that got stirred up in my mind was the question that Freud had asked as well, many, many, obviously many years ago. And the question was, why war? It was in the correspondence that he had with Albert Einstein. And they both struggled with the question of, you know, why does war exist? And it got me thinking a lot about the question and about, you know, what is it about mankind that makes us so volatile, that makes us so conflict-ridden? You know, Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa now had said, you know, that she was not against war. Now, don't get me wrong. She was not saying that war was good, but what she was saying was that she would never fight against war. What she would fight for was peace. Because to fight against war is to take one side over another, to be divisive, to take and make a choice of this side being more important or this side being more right than the other side. Instead, what she said was, with peace and fighting for peace, what we seek to do is to show that we are on both sides. It's much like the idea of, you know, helping the poor. You know, you see these people who are on the streets who um, are looking for money or hoping for money. You know, there's this gentleman who's nearby here who goes out every day and yet his family will say to people whenever they get the chance, don't give him any money because, you know, he uses it for drugs. And yet he's out there every day begging for money. And so I think most people would tend to look at the people who are out there begging for money. They may recognize, yes, this person doesn't have a lot of means, but I'm not going to give him anything because he seems that it seems that he may use that for things that are not good. He may take it and use it for drugs. He may take it and use it for drinks. She may, you know, do the same things, something that would be what we've called and talked about as an artificial pleasure, something to ease the tension for the moment. You know, and I think when we look at it, it is more important for us to consider that these individuals, as I've said before, are a member of our family. They're part of the body of God and the bar, part of the body of, of Christ that says, you know, I am your brother, I am your sister. They are our fellows. And whatever choices that they make, they ultimately it ultimately falls back onto them. And one can hope, and indeed one can pray that they will see this as an opportunity. You know, it's, it is the candle in the dark. It is the opportunity to say, you know, I am maybe, and at least, the light that this person has today. I may be the only light that they see in their life today, or maybe, God forbid, ever. You know, and so for me to reach into the core of who I am and to fight for their well-being, you know, it's part of the reason why it is that I have you know, taken on the executive director of the board of directors role of a charity called Charity Together because it's fighting for all people. It's not about whether you're, you know, good or bad, black or white. It doesn't matter. You know, what matters is that they're there to help individuals who are poor, who are struggling to try to get treatment for their drug abuse or alcohol abuse or the psychological issues. And I think that our, that is our choice. 
to try to make that decision to help other people. I know the question I raised is why war? And I do think that part of the reason that we struggle with this is because our natural inclination, after we have slipped out of a place of seeing the world through clearer eyes, in that what I refer to as wide open reality, where only love exists, where only connection exists, after we have been pulled out of that space, much against our will and much against our desires, and that space ends up becoming repressed into our unconscious mind, after that moment, we become these divisive characters. I remember saying to a patient years ago that, you know, the origin of war begins in the nursery. And the reason is, is because we get to a place in childhood where some will, not all, but some will say, you know, there is something on the opposite side of you and I would happily or necessarily throw you out of this crib in order to get what it is I'm looking for. I see it as mine and I'm going to take it. And I think that that's part of the complication is that we start to recognize in our human relationships with other people, weak as they are, and oftentimes very weak they are, that in these interactions and relationships with other people, people tend to have what it is we want, or people tend to stand in the way of what it is we feel like we need psychologically. And it goes back to that status quo. When it's something that we want, when somebody has something we want, or when we see that they possess something that our needs demand we get, in some way or another, whether it's a relationship or whether it is money or whether it is food or whatever the case might be, you know, all the way down to the barest bones, one way or another, we're looking at this person either as someone that is an obstacle in our way or we feel a measure of envy, which can be translated as hate for this person. And hate, for want of a better way to define it, is the view that this person really has become an obstacle in my life. They possess something that I desire and that my ego needs to satisfy that status quo. And so when we slip out of that beautiful space of wide open reality, we find ourselves desperately in this struggle to try to maintain the status quo that is forming in our lives, has formed in our parents' lives all of their lives, and now is forming in our lives and forming in the world around us or has formed in the world around us and we're thrust into this space and it becomes this process of possession you know i own my house the neighbor owns their house i like their house now i'm not foolish enough to say and not criminal to say i'm going to go take their house but there are people that will do so you know and the same is true for leaders they will say, this is mine and I'm going to take it and I don't like that you have it, so I'm going to take it from you too. you know. And we have this and it has occurred throughout life. Every war that has been fought at the beginning of that war is fought by or brought about by someone who says, I want what it is that this other person has. And they want it because at some level or another, their ego demands that they get it in order to satisfy something deep inside of themselves psychologically what we have called the status quo. And so I think when we look at it, you know, it's an important question to consider what is our status quo? And it's something that we don't really tend to think a lot about. We just exist, you know, we just keep plugging along. But I encourage you to take the time to stop and consider, how did I get to where it is that I am? Who am I? 
a life unexamined is still a life worth living, but it's less of a life than what we could have. And I think it's an important thing to consider, you know, am I willing to consider things more deeply to try to understand how I got to this space, how I developed my status quo, how it's maintained out of a sense of fear and how my longing, my lusts, my envy, my greed keep me in that place and encourage me to stay in that space, to try to find more of what it is that truly doesn't really belong to me, but I've come to believe does. And so I encourage you to stop long enough to consider, you know, what is the status quo that drives me day in and day out and reach down into the unconscious and to try to work on getting back to that space where you had connections, where you had love, where you had mercy and magic in your life. Be well.